in the biggest non-reform story of the year to date. The Vatican brings us this. A story of shuffling funds away from a nakedly wicked group of position holders in the Secretariat of State's office in Vatican City and placing those resources in other offices that are probably just as rotten. This story is getting a lot of play in the Catholic media, and for the most part, it seems that people are cheering for this cleanup operation being done by Francis. As you might have come to expect, I'm less than enchanted with this turn of events. First, I plan to go over the reporting on this so we can get the facts, then I'm going to tell you why this move doesn't probably matter all that much. So let's get into this. Let's start with an Italian source, Asia News, which is, yes, Italian, asianews.it. Headline, Pope, New Law on the Management and Supervision of Vatican Finances. The objective of the papal decision is a better organization of the administration, supervision, and surveillance of the economic and financial activities of the Holy See to ensure transparent and efficient management and a clear separation of responsibilities and functions. In other words, changes have been made to how the Vatican oversees and manages funds in order to stem the bad news coming out of the Holy See literally for decades on this issue. But here's the takeaway from the article. Quote, Pope Francis has decided to reorganize the management and supervision of the Holy See's economic activities. For this purpose, a motu proprio was published today, that would be Monday, that converts into law what he had already written in the letter of the 25th of August 2020 to the Secretary of State. The objective of the papal decision is a, quote, better organization of the administration, supervision, and surveillance of the economic and financial activities of the Holy See to ensure transparent and efficient management and a clear separation of responsibilities and functions. This objective, quote, represents a fundamental point in the reform of the Curia. On the basis of this principle, it is not appropriate that the Secretariat of State, which also supports more closely and directly the action of the Supreme Pontiff in his mission and represents an essential point of reference for the activities of the Roman Curia, to perform those functions in economic and financial matters already attributed to other dicasteries. Consequently, quote, starting 1st January 2021, the ownership of funds and bank accounts, securities, and real estate investments, including investments in companies and investment funds, held hitherto in the name of the Secretary of State, is transferred to the administration of the Patrimony of the Apostolic See, which will look after their management and administration. They will be subject to an ad hoc supervision of the Secretariat for the Economy, which from now on will also perform the function of Papal Secretariat for Economic and Financial Matters. End lengthy quote. Nice and dry, right? Let's continue. These funds are being now overseen by the Secretariat of the Economy, another high-ranking curial post that answers to the Pope. So far, this all makes sense. So we go to Zenit. Headline. Better oversight of spending and investment at heart of Pope's new motu proprio, quote, a better organization, establishes a greater control and better visibility of Peter's pence and of the funds that come from donations of the faithful. And here's the rub of the article, quote, the motu proprio, it stated, establishes a greater control and a better visibility of Peter's pence and of the funds that come from donations to the faithful. In addition, specific controls, the mandate said, are reinforced on some entities related to the Holy See, which manage funds that come from donations. With these decisions, the Holy See Press Office's statement concluded, the Holy Father expresses his personal commitment and that of the Roman Curia for greater transparency, a clearer separation of functions, greater efficacy and controls, and a greater adjustment of the economy of the Holy See to the mission of the Church, so that the people of God who help with their generosity to support the mission of the Bishop of Rome can do so 
the confidence that their contributions are administered appropriately and transparently with the exercise of due controls. End lengthy quote. Still with me. So the point that the Vatican Communications Office wants you to know, as the motu proprio states, is to ensure that the money you and I donate isn't misused for strange purposes at odds with their purpose. In other words, Peter's Pence should be used for the explicit mission of Peter's Pence, which is to help fund the Holy Father's mission work in various parts of the world, among other things, and not to fund films about Elton John or to help build condos in London, which they had been before for some strange reason. Crux, which is an American outlet formerly associated with the Boston Globe and now claims to be taking the Catholic pulse, frames the story in more inflammatory and a provocative language, saying that the Secretary of State's office was stripped of power in this area. I suppose that's true, but in reality, the language of the motu proprio speaks of transferring authority over money from one office to another. Crux does tie Cardinal Pell to this, outlining his own co- his long conflict with this office and his investigations over its use of papal funds. Recall now that Cardinal Pell and Archbishop Vigano are linked in that they both investigated this issue, and then were suddenly transferred elsewhere after making serious inroads into finding out what was really going on. Remember, both Vigano and Cardinal Pell helped find literally tens of millions, if not billions of dollars of funds that were just missing in the system. But anyway, Vatican News to go here is where we go next, the official state outlet of Vatican City, and it has the most fawning coverage, but also the clearest. Go figure. Now, for those not familiar with Vatican News, it's a kind of like NPR or BBC, but for Vatican City. Quote, The transfer marks a significant step towards a centralized management of investments, which decreases autonomy, increases oversight, and demonstrates how Pope Francis not only launches reforms, but accompanies them with precise guidelines. End quote. The article then says what most of the others I've cited have said. Then it says this, which is where it gets interesting. Quote, Starting from the financial year 2021, the papal document indicates contributions for any reason due or freely devolved to the Holy See by ecclesial authorities of any type, including those of the government and the IOR, will be deposited in an account called the General Budget of the Holy See, managed by the administration of the patrimony of the Apostolic See according to current norms, on the basis of the approved budget. The transfer of the amounts from the general budget account to APSA must be authorized by the Prefect of the Secretariat for the Economy. The payment of the ordinary and extraordinary expenses of the Secretariat of State will be made by APSA according to the budget of the same Secretariat approved on the basis of current legislation. End quote. Again, extremely dry stuff, and I suspect that this is almost done on purpose because it makes it easy for your eyes to glaze over if, you're, if you don't really know what you're reading. This is the Institute of Religion, a.k.a. the IOR, a.k.a. the Vatican Bank. For good treatment on the origins of that institution, at least in its post-war years, read Malachi Martin's Vatican, if you can get a copy of it. And it's the book that takes place in the years before when swept house. Its history begins in around 1944 or so and runs until the late 1980s. There you'll see how that organization was central to all the headaches the Vatican experienced outside of the rise of modernism, prior to and especially after the Second Vatican Council. Which is not to say that these issues are not linked to modernism, because they absolutely are. Now, centrally, Francis seems to be saying the Secretary of State is not the competent place for oversight of the IOR and handling of Vatican funds, which has led to major problems over the years. That office is simply a diplomatic office. It has been called the Office of the Vice Pope in recent years a trend that frankly makes my skin crawl. I'd like to see that secular influence terminology cease as soon as possible. But anyway, 
the diplomatic office is not the proper place for this, is what Francis seems to be saying, and that's fine. If that was what the core of the problem was, at any rate, I don't think this is at all about competency, or at least it is about competency alone. The problem with the Vatican finances story that has hurt the church for literally decades now isn't the office most associated with these problems. It's the people who hold them. Since the council, they come in two varieties, modernists and those with great ambitions, and those are definitely not mutually exclusive categories either. And decent research of any kind that you read on the state of the church today, how it got to the point that it is in, in now, will tell you that the secretary of state in the Vatican has been in office typically for whatever reason, occupied by men who should not be in those positions. This has been a consistent problem for decades. Of course, there are exceptions, but again, it's a consistent problem. One theory is that when the, Vatic when the vacancy comes, the Pope chooses to place someone there that they want to keep an eye on, while satisfying their potential rival's desire for influence. A keep-your-enemies-closer sort of theory of administrative management, if you will. The other is that the conciliar pontiffs, and frankly many before, weren't really good managers. There's a lot of compelling evidence for either being the case. Let's be real here. Hello, Ted McCarrick. Saints aren't necessarily known for their keen insight into business management practices either. And that brings us to my point. It isn't the office that matters. It's the people who occupy them that does. I'll use a different example to make my point. I've never cared that Francis gets called a dictator pope. I literally don't care about that. The church is not a democracy. Once upon a time, popes took unilateral action when needed to correct situations. We need more of that, but we need it done in the service to the church that is right-ordered, not in connecting it ever deeper to the world. What matters is the person who holds the office, not the power they wield. We need holy men, or at least men with a healthy fear of God, to handle the treasure of the church, whether they are religious, clergy, or just pious laymen. That is what is needed, not a shuffling of the deck chairs and calls for competency. Certainly, you want competent men to handle these things, but you also need holy men. And until that changes, these problems will probably not go away. As I said Monday, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is merely a tool, and like any tool, it can be used for good or for ill. Holy people handling these issues will set these tools to service for Christ and his church, and will check their ambitions at the door. So that's the Vatican finances story that you've probably heard a lot about. I kept a late night making this video for you because I was compiling these things just endlessly. So let me know what you think of the story. Am I off base in thinking that this is that in thinking that we need saintly men to handle these things? Do you have confidence in the reforms present? Let me know your thoughts on this in the comments, please. As usual, I have all the articles I cited here linked to in the show notes at returntotradition.org, so go have a look. And as always, please pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.